Yes, Business Power Hour. Welcome. If you haven't been to Business Power Hour before, I'm Faith Mariah. Every Thursday at 2 p.m., we have a panel of guest experts to talk about the topics that you guys are interested in talking about to help you grow your business. We have a wonderful panel of experts today. I'm so excited because we're talking about killer offers, which is one of my favorite things to talk about and obviously super important if you're are going to have a successful, profitable business. You have to have something to sell and obviously having something people like to buy, I think really helps. <laughs> so yes. I'll let you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves. Gianni, you want to go first? Sure. Hi, everyone. So I am Gianni Logan and I am an accountant. I have 15 years experience in corporate America. Um, I actually not long ago transitioned out of corporate America full time into entrepreneurship. Um, I've actually been running my business for five years, though, while in corporate America. And I decided to take the big leap. And so I absolutely love working with small business owners. You know, I did a lot when I was in corporate America. But to me, there's just something so unique, so intimate about working with a small business owner. And so I help small business owners avoid overpaying taxes, which means keeping more money in your business where it belongs. I also help small business owners to build audit proof uh, accounting and bookkeeping systems, audit proof, organized, efficient without the overwhelm and take advantage of automation behind bookkeeping so that, you know, you're not slaving away at an Excel spreadsheet or in QuickBooks for hours. Um, so that's a little bit about who I am and what I do. And I'm from Louisiana. Oh, that's awesome. Matt yes. and I are going to be in New Orleans for a couple of months. Are you near New Orleans? I'm two and a half hours away. So not far. We'll have to, maybe I'll have to stop by and say hi. Or we'll yeah, for sure. It would be a good opportunity <laughs> to travel there. New Orleans is always a fun place to travel to. Always. We, we love it there. <laughs> And then Emma, what about you? You want to go ahead and just let everybody know who you are and what you do? Sure. Thanks, Mariah. I'm Faith. Sorry for letting me be here. Um, so I am a marketing and sales consultant. I essentially help established, experienced entrepreneurs who have already got a business, who are already making sales to triple their revenue within the space of six to 12 months. So wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a statistic that we checked earlier this year and 99.9% .9 of people that we've worked with in the last three years have tripled their revenue within 12 months. So it's something we're really proud of. Um, and essentially, we focus on helping you to improve your marketing. So what are you doing that's front facing that people understand about you? How do we improve your messaging? What are the tweaks that we make to your office? <laughs> what we're talking about today? Um, and how do we um, shift how you're communicating what's going on in your business, how you help people and how your offers are going to benefit people? as well so it's the front facing stuff and then also we work on your sales strategy how you're increasing sales through what you're doing behind the scenes in your business and also how you're actually making sales to the people um, in your audience and finding new people as well so we work on kind of all the stuff that's to do with marketing and sales to help you really get making more money in your business serving more people helping them to get the results that you specialize in and really get to mid six figures and beyond through doing that so that's how I work with people I've been doing this since 2018. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I've never had a nine to five. <laughs> Good for you. I had to learn the hard way. I knew immediately, I went into one and knew immediately like this is not going to work for me. <laughs> I think I, I think I came out of college and I had a bar job and I made it to bar supervisor. And even that I was just like, I don't know that I can work for other people. So it never happened. <laughs> I, always, I always say I'm a lot better at being the boss than having a boss. I'm like, I'm not good at having a boss. <laughs> always just been yeah. very, very bad at it. So, yeah. so, <laughs> well, I'm back to you guys. I see some of you guys watching live and I always say our live audience is like the VIP of Power Hour. 
because you guys can put questions in the chat for our wonderful, wonderful experts we have here and we'll help you out. So let us know if you have an offer you want feedback on or you have questions or what are you stuck with with your offer. If we can help you with something specific, put that in the chat. Otherwise, I'm like, I have the best job because I get to ask you guys whatever I want. So <laughs> if you guys don't take me up on that offer, I'll just ask them what I want. But we are here to help you and we would love to help you with your specific questions, your specific stuff going on. So I would love to hear from you guys. First of all, what do you what do you think the biggest difference is between an offer that's easy to sell and an offer that people struggle with? Is there a common hang up you see or a, a kind of tip you think? Or what do you think the most important thing to kind of keep in mind when you're creating an offer to make it easy to sell is? Mm -hmm. I can jump in on that if you want. Yeah, yeah I'd love to hear um, from both of you. <laughs> so for me, there's two things that I think, that's a really great question. And I think one of them is not starting off from a place of like, I think this is what my audience wants. It's making sure that you understand what they want through whether that's some people like to do market research conversations, whether that's through working with people one-on-one -on -one or in small, more intimate groups and figuring out, okay, these are the pieces that they're really enjoying. This is the stuff that gets them attracted to it. Testing the messaging as well. So you can see, even if your offer does one thing, the way that people understand what it is and, and how it applies to them is different. Like how they come at that, how they appreciate that. So testing the messaging around it and stuff like that, that really is a huge indicator that it's probably going to sell better than something that's not because you figured out what people want and how to offer it to them in a really good way. And then the second one about it is actually about you and it's about you being really sold on it yourself. Oh, go off. Go yeah. off. Yeah. Tell me, say more, say more. <laughs> not less. Yeah. I come across so many people who they know their offer is really good. They're excited about what's inside of it. They know they can really support people, but they're not sold on it because they've structured it in a way, oh, like they felt like they should do it, or they've seen someone else doing it this way, or they're like, oh, this is how the industry serves it. And it's not so much about how they want to. It doesn't, they don't feel connected to it. Or maybe they're like running a course on something that they feel should be what they're putting out there as their first course or this is the next step that I need to offer and it's not actually what lights them up it's not get them what gets them excited it's not what allows them to like really showcase their genius so that's that's where I think people fall down sometimes because it's going to come across in your marketing right it's going to come across in how you talk about it so you've got to be excited about it yeah we teach that in my mastermind in the sales section I talk about a belief ceiling. And I'm like, you can't expect your customers to believe in your product more than you. So kind of mm -hmm. like where you believe in it, that's like the maximum anybody else is going to believe in your offer. And then if you don't really stand behind it, we have this joke where it's like, you end up pitching it like this, where you're like, hey, I have this thing, you can buy it if you want. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's not a very compelling way. Like you really got to go out there, I think, and like market it and say, hey, like, I really can help you. I have this great solution to this problem. If you're struggling with it, here's how it's going to help you. Here's why it's different. Here's why if you failed trying to fix it before, this is going to work for you. And you've really got to be out there and like pitching it, like really with your like whole heart and soul. Cause it's like, if you don't believe in it, you can't expect your customers mm -hmm. to believe in something more than you. It's like, you have to be able to hold the belief in your product. And then a lot of people, I think get that backwards because people think, well, I'll think it's good like after people buy it and they like go through it and validate me and tell yeah. me I'm good, then then I'll know. And it's like, no, no, your belief has in entrepreneurship, your belief always comes before the result. It's like you have to believe it's good, 
even when everybody's rejecting you and people aren't buying and like nobody's giving you a shot. It's like you have to create the belief from yourself. And that's why I love coaching entrepreneurs and why we do so much mindset coaching around sales in the mastermind. And then what about you, Jenny? What do you think are some important things to kind of consider when we're talking about making an offer that people actually want to buy versus an offer that's just kind of a flop that never really gets anywhere? I think for me, it's understanding pain points, but I think it goes deeper than pain points. So understanding your target audience and really and truly like what does transformation look like for them? But I think you also have to understand what they're struggling with. And then I think you have to communicate that very clearly and easily. I think sometimes we talk too technical because we communicate our offer, you know, based on our expertise and not at the level that our target audience can understand it. So I think you have to really um, create an offer that allows your target audience to see themselves in your solution. Like I think Mm -hmm. and clearly see themselves in your solution. And I also think that you have to speak to their emotions. I think it goes beyond pain points because everybody talks about pain points. And yes, that's the starting point. But I think that you have to speak to their emotions, you know, to get them emotionally engaged with your offer. I think that's really key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I see this a lot with entrepreneurs because it's like whatever we're doing, we're kind of obsessed with and we're experts at, right? And it's like a lot of us use the lingo of like whatever industry we're in. And that's not necessarily the people that we're serving, right? And so making sure you're using their same language. And one of my favorite little hacks is I tell people, do your market research on Zoom, on video. I'm like, talk to people, find out what their problems are, either do an interview with them or offer them a free coaching or a free rain like storming session or some kind of session where you're on zoom with them. And I'm like, and then take that video and get the transcript from it. So you can see the actual words that they use. And then we have people reuse those words in their copy. So you're actually saying like they're using (laughs) their language to describe the problem. And it's something I ask the mastermind a lot, I'll be like, is that how they would say it? Like, are your clients actually saying that to you? And a lot of times they're like, well, no, they think this. <laughs> yeah. and, and they're like, but their problem's actually this. And I'm like, but they don't know that's their problem. So solve, like, solve them this, right? <laughs> and I always use yeah. the example of the mastermind because we teach so much mindset stuff in there. But like, they don't know that they have a mindset problem. They just know their business isn't working and they're buying all these courses and it's not working. <laughs> It's like, so we're going to sell you like, hey, if you're stuck, we have support, we have training, we're going to help you. Um, And then they get Mm -hmm. in there and they're like, oh, I actually do need the mindset coaching. And this actually is really transformative. But if they don't know that they need that, it's like, that's going to be really hard for me to sell, even if they need it. And I know it works. It's like, if they don't know that that's the the problem they have, it's not going to be an easy to sell offer. So a lot of times it's not even the offer, it's how you market and position it too. Yes. I'd love to yeah. hear from you, Emma. You you mentioned a couple of times about like testing things and doing market research. Like, what does that actually look like? Because we have a lot of new entrepreneurs here in my community watching. And so sometimes when people hear stuff like market research, it's like, oh God, like <laughs> I'm in, I'm in way over my head. Like, I don't know what that is. Can you tell people what that actually kind of means and looks like for, sure. for you and your clients? 
So I actually talk about it in a little bit of a different way because I think a very common way to go into market research that I see a lot of coaches teach, and I don't think it's bad at all. I just think there are some more effective ways of doing it or maybe faster and, and easier for someone who hasn't done it before. It's very common to be asked or, or challenged to book in 10 or 20 market research calls in the space of a couple of weeks or something like that, have these calls, ask people questions, do free coaching. And that's great, but it also means that you are giving up a lot of your time and you also focus on serving and supporting that person as well. So like you said, like downloading transcripts and things like that can be super, super helpful. But I also think that people forget that if you are new or established, you likely have people on your email list, on your social media, people that you are in conversations with inside masterminds, inside of peer networks and stuff like that, that you can have conversations with. And you can use your social media to post things, to test out messaging. So you can say, right, I have an offer. I know that it helps people with this thing and this thing. Let me go and say, go in at this angle. Let me, for example, say, what would, how would it feel if you fixed this? Or how would it feel if you got to this point and see how people respond to it? And then I'm going to go and try and promote the same thing or talk about the same thing, but from a different angle, from a different side of it and talk about it with a different messaging angle, talk about it from a different emotional point, talk about it from a different result that they might get, things like that. Like look at all the different aspects of your offer that people are going to win with, people are going to get excited about, all the benefits that they're going to get, all the side benefits, like the additional things, for example, sometimes confidence is something that comes along with the win, but it's not the main focus of an offer sometimes. So test out those things, ask questions, post little bits, getting excited about it, post promotional posts and see which ones get the most interaction, see which ones get your people excited. And that way you're testing through actually doing the writing, through actually tweaking based on people's reaction. And you're gonna get a lot of insight in addition to any other conversations that you're having. And you can do that on any platform, you can do it on email, and you can even have conversations with your peers or like I said, in mastermind and, and be like, what would you think of if I shared this bit of information and see how they react and then go, oh, okay, actually they didn't get what I meant. <laughs> Yeah. you know so there's lots of ways <laughs> yeah we do this in my business a lot and I love that you said that but we'll kind of be like god every time we send an email about this is how we started doing the 90-day planning so we started doing tons of like 90-day planning workshops and I have like the plan like a boss bundle and the reason that came about was because when I was posting things about us doing planning or sharing things about oh we're getting ready to plan the quarter people were like well what does that mean or like I want to learn that and we mm -hmm. get so much response from it. And it just seemed like, oh, like they're all really interested in this, right? Which I just wouldn't have thought like in my mind, like sometimes we just don't see things that way, right? In my mind, I kind of think like the planning stuff is like boring and tedious. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, they're not going to care about that. They want to learn like sales and they want to learn like this yeah. is going to be like more exciting. But they actually the planning stuff has been so popular and so effective for people. And we really came up with the, those planning events that we've been doing from just the reaction that we were getting from the audience just by sharing kind of behind the scenes of the business and people just seemed really interested in it. And so I think it's a good way to just in your content to just always kind yeah. of be testing like, oh, this is like actually what they really all are excited about and really want. Yeah. And I think the really good point on that, and I'll, and I'll finish then so I'm not hogging the mic, but I think a really good point. <laughs> I think a really
really good point there is that it's okay to be surprised if the thing that you didn't think was going to stick with people is oh, actually yeah. the thing went. There's so many times I've run offers and this pretty much happens every Black Friday when there's an offer that I think is going to sell really well and the other one that I was like, you know, not, not expecting does really well. But there's so many times that the messaging or the angle that you go in at or the specific piece of your offer that you didn't think people were going to be excited about is actually the thing that takes off and run with that like don't I find that people resist that because they're like oh but that's not the main thing I wanted to talk about it's okay like lead with what like run with what people are excited about and it's okay to be surprised like yeah. listen to what you're saying I always say like the more willing you are to just be wrong and like keep it moving like <laughs> the faster all of this will happen and I love that you said that because I think a lot of business coaches kind of think that's taboo to like admit like oh sometimes mm. I think it's I get it wrong or whatever but I say that all the time I'm like I don't really know like what's going to hit or what's going to do well. I really just need to look at the data. And so what mm -hmm. I teach people is like, you need to test stuff out and get the data mm -hmm. because a lot of times, like what we think is clouded by our own bias. It was clouded by my own bias, right? That I think planning's boring. I'm like, oh, that's boring. Nobody cares about that, <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, every time I'm like, oh, I got to do planning in my business. I'm kind of like, oh, like that's not my favorite thing to do, right? It's mm -hmm. like, I want to coach my clients. That's what I like doing. So I'm like, oh, that's boring. Nobody's going to care about that. And we all have our own thoughts and stories and biases. You just want to be careful like you're not using that to guide your business decisions. You really want to go collect data and then look at it and then use that to like kind of inform your business decisions. And definitely like the reaction you're getting on social media, that's a data point. It's like if somebody's replying a whole bunch, that's like data you just collected. <laughs> so and then what about you, Gianni? Do you have... um? I forgot even what we were originally talking about. Oh, market research. <laughs> my, sometimes my brain goes <laughs> Market research. So I know you said too, you were like, yeah, like, you know, go figure out what their problems are and like make sure you're solving those pain points and stuff. Do you have a way that you do that? Or how do you get market research when you're developing a product? So for me, I do it three ways. Um, and so, of course, there's the traditional way, right, where you book calls. And so I have like coffee chats or I'll offer free calls to my email list. Yeah. Um, and that's a great way. And so and I have a questionnaire that when you book a call with me, you have to answer specific questions. So yeah. those questions alone tell me a lot about what people are dealing with, you know, and what their pain mm -hmm. points are what some of their fears are, you know, all of those things. And so, of course, that's the traditional way. Yes, it does take up your time, but it is a great way to do it. You know, if you just block off one day a week where you do it, then that's a great way to do it as well. Um, another way, you know, it's like Emily said, looking at your content, right? So looking at your content, um, seeing what's resonating with people. So and really paying attention to that, because what I have found for my audience is that they like when I tell them things that other people aren't telling them, you know, so it's like, yes, everyone is telling you to do this. However, have you considered doing this or they're only giving you a piece of it? I'm going to give you all of it because especially with what I do, right? Because I know that I can give you all of it, but you're still probably going to need some guidance. So don't be afraid to give away like value. I mean, just yeah. it's going to come back to you. And so I have that all the time where people will reach out and say, oh, my God, no one told me this before. And I found that that was my sweet spot. So another way um, is also through your email list. If you have an email list, sometimes it's hard to get your email list to give you information. So I take advantage of holidays. You know, if it's Mother's Day, I, I do like a gift card. So I want to do like a giveaway, right? But you have to answer some questions. You got to tell me a little bit more about yourself. Mm -hmm. Or for example, I like to do what other people aren't doing. So I look at what everybody else is doing and I always say, how can I be different? 
So everybody does birthday sales. Well, I tell people on my list, okay, it's your birthday. I don't want to offer you a discount on my product. Let me give you something, right? So obviously, if you have a big list, you can't do this with everyone on your list, but you, you'll do a drawing. And so that's how you'll solve it. And you'll say, okay, it's Mother's Day. Or if you tell me your birthday, I want to celebrate you on your special day. And in exchange, you have to answer some questions. Or another way that you can do it is just by simply in your emails, putting a PS at the bottom and saying, let me know your thoughts on this. Let me know if this is helpful to you. I have people that respond to my emails when I do that. You just have to ask for it. Sometimes we overthink things. But if you just say, like, let me know if this is helpful, you know, feel free to respond back. I read all my emails. People will be willing because they want to be seen and they want to be heard. So they'll be willing to share. So that's yeah. another way as well. That's a really good tip. I have a question for you guys. I see this a lot when kind of like when new entrepreneurs come in and do market research, they'll be like, I put, I don't know, like they'll be like, I surveyed my audience and they all said they struggled with this. And then I made a product about it and nobody bought it. And I'm always telling them, I'm like, just because somebody says they have a problem with that doesn't mean that they want to pay to fix it necessarily. Right. Like I think we, all of us have a lot of problems and that we have certain problems, I think, like as people, we just like complaining about, <laughs> but we're not necessarily like, hey, you know what? I would love to give you money to fix this, right? Like we have certain things where we're like, oh my gosh, like like my bookkeeper, like I love paying my bookkeeper because I suck at keeping books and it stresses me out, right? So I'm like, yes, I will pay you. And my, my accountant, I'm like, yes, I will pay you. Like these are problems I have, like I'm very willing and happy to pay other people to fix. I have other problems in my business and stuff maybe that I'm less that are just kind of like, uh, like I'm annoying and I don't, I don't like this, but I'm not necessarily going to pay someone hundreds of dollars to fix that problem. So I'm curious when you guys are doing market research, how do you figure out like, what are the pro like people love to tell you their problems, right? But how do you figure out what's a problem they have where they really want to invest money and open their wallets and be like, yes, I want to pay for a solution versus it's just a problem they have that they're kind of complaining about <laughs> or like to, you know, we all like to kind of complain about, we're like, this is so hard. I hate it. <laughs> Would you guys have any thoughts on that? I do, but I went first last time. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. So um, I think for me, especially with what I do, you know, when it comes to looking at their problems and determining, is this something that they're willing to pay for? Right. Yeah. Or that they think they need to pay for. So for me, I mean, nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10 is something they need to pay for because it's it's accounting, it's bookkeeping, it's taxes. Yeah. And so for me, um, because nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, it's almost something that always my audience is going to need to pay for and invest and help at some point because of the nature of what it is. I think it comes down to getting them to see the cost that they have by not paying for it by not investing, you know, in getting this problem resolved, making them aware, you know, but then also making them aware, we call it a opportunity cost or, you know, so just making them aware of what they're missing out on as a result of not paying to fix the problem. So even if it's confidence, right? So some people will say, okay, well, sometimes I don't feel like I'm capable of doing certain things. I doubt myself a lot. And maybe you don't feel like you need to pay someone, you know, to boost your confidence. You're like, why do I need to pay someone to boost my confidence? But if you can make them see that by you not having confidence, it's causing you to not make money. And we all need money, you know, to buy the things that we need. 
then that's a way that you can take something that maybe someone questions whether or not they need to pay for something, but tie it to something that they say, okay, I do need this instead, you know? Yeah. And so I don't know my answer to your question, but. Oh, that's, a really good answer. <laughs> that's a really, really good answer. And I think I always tell people, we call it like the blue pill test in my community, but I'm like, if you gave them like, like a blue pill, which one are they picking? It's like, do you want, okay, do you want confidence or do you want to like get every job you ever interview for? It's like, they're going to pick like this, right? And so it's like, what does the confidence give them that they want? What are they really after? What's the result they want, right? So it could be like, I don't know, if you're selling like a meal planning kit or something, probably like they're if they're not meal planning already, they're probably not super excited to do that. But maybe they want like less stressful meal time and quality time with their family and more time with their kids or more time to do something they like. Then all of a sudden, you're not just selling like recipes, you're selling like time with your family. And it's like, mm -hmm. what is it over here that they really want? And so I agree with you. I think that's super, super important when you're figuring out like, okay, they have this problem. How do I get them to pay for it? It's like, but when they're complaining about this, like, what is it that they're really wanting? Mm -hmm. And then making sure the messaging is, is correct yeah. on that. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about you, Emma? Yeah. So I actually have a bit of a formula that I work on with my clients to help them to make this work because it's such a common thing. And I actually also just wanted to say, I love your idea about the gift cards and like, you know, making sure that you're tapping into your audience. Cause you know, people are there, they want, they want to give us their ideas. I know. I'm like, <laughs> yes, bribe people. I always tell them to mastermind that. Cause we do a lot of giveaways and I'm like, I'll bribe you to do what I yeah. want to do. Yeah. 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 I'm like, there you go. <laughs> I love that. I just, I just wanted to say, yeah, I love that. I haven't Thank done you. that with Thank my list. You. I love the idea. Um, yeah. so, so the first steps for this, I think is really important because it goes back to, to what you were saying around people saying that they want something and then not actually moving on that. And I think that for us as entrepreneurs, and especially, especially if you are a coach or a course creator, but for all entrepreneurs really that are in the service business, um, we often, we need to be really aware of what people are saying they want and what is causing the issue that they have. Mm. So I'll give an example from my business just because it's a super easy one that I give up frequently. People often come to me telling me that they have an issue with content. They say, my social media doesn't convert. My email doesn't convert. I don't know how to create the content that's actually going to attract my ideal clients. Like, am um, content is my issue. But actually, I know because I've worked with so many people that their issue is not content. Their issue is that they don't know how they support people. They don't necessarily feel confident or have that belief or they're not positioning their offer well. They're not communicating their messaging. Like there's so many different things. And we work through pillars to, to of, of work to help them to get to the point that it's not about content. It's about what's going on behind the content so that you can communicate it through your content. But if I explain that to them, they'd be like, no, 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 content's my issue. And every time I did a giveaway, every time I did a survey, they will tell me that, I have a problem with content creation or my audience needs to be bigger or whatever. Like that's what they will tell me. But we need to understand what's behind that, what's causing that issue. Because the thing that we're selling, the offer that we're selling is very unlikely going to focus on the surface level thing. The offer is going to focus on the thing that's going to help them get to where they want to be, like you were saying, get to them to one thing they actually want. But with offers, there's two parts of it. There's the thing that we deliver, there's the way that we sell it, and there's also the way that we position it. And we have to position it as what people think is the issue, what people say they want. And so even if we know that our offer is not going to, like, sorry, solving the content issue is not going to be the solution to what they want, we still need to go in and have an element of saying, hey, 
we're going to start off with content. You know, we're going to go in with what you want. We're going to fix your content. In order to do that, we have to. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to break down the layers. But we need to go in with the thing that they think that they need mm -hmm. and then show them why that is not the case necessarily. Or it is the case, but there's other reasons that that is the problem. Fix that and you'll fix your content issue and you'll get to the place that you want to be. Yeah. So we need to understand that in order to position our offer well. And if we can position our offer like that, then it doesn't really matter that they don't want the thing we're offering because we're no longer trying to push something through that we that our, our audience is saying, oh, I want that, but I'm not paying for it. Mm -hmm. We're actually offering them the, the solution that they need without realizing that that is the problem because we're educating this is actually the issue that you have. So we'll solve, solve all of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the issue I see a lot with like new entrepreneurs is that surface level of like, well, they all said this, so I made a product about this. Mm. And then I uh, told them to buy it and they did it and it didn't work. And that like is very yeah. confusing to people. But I think there is like that deeper level about why are they telling you that's a problem? And like, what is that problem really about? And then being able to explain to them why you have the problem and really be able to explain mm. the problem in like very, 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 very like intense detail. I think that that makes things easier to sell. I have yeah. the million dollar question that I know probably everybody watching and everybody listening to the replay on the podcast has. And I said, what do you guys think about pricing? How do we get the pricing right? <laughs> I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Y'all are laughing because this is like, everybody has this question, right? It's like, how do I get the price? So it's, not too high and then people aren't going to buy it or it's not too low or they don't like think it's valuable and like how how do we get the magic price you guys <laughs> i'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on like how you price your offers how you how do you go about figuring that out in your own business um for me if that's okay um for me it's um there's two different tiers of this if we're talking about something that is a main product that is high ticket or that solves a large problem then i go into it with a couple of different thoughts i go into it with what is the value that i'm providing here and also for me at least for my business and it'll be different for everybody's business but then it needs to have a little bit of a qualifying factor like what is the price that is going to get people to really have some skin in the game, like really actually commit to themselves that they're really going to take action on this. So that's for a higher price product. That's something that needs a little bit more investment of time and energy and commitment for some, the second tier of it is things that are more lower ticket that are more to get people one small little solution or to provide them with resources or, or something like that. And with those, I actually price them a little bit differently because I'm pricing those with a little bit of what value is involved, yes. But for the most part, those ones are priced to kind of get people in the door, to acquire a customer who will then start to learn from me and then start to understand um, how I can benefit them, see whether they like my style, and then start to explore a little bit more and potentially um, buy more from me, get more benefits from other programs or my email list and things like that. So for the lower price things, it's much more about what's a good exchange here for what they're getting within the range that I like to have my products within. So that could be anywhere from $20 to $100. So for me, there's two very different tiers and different strategies depending on what type of offer it is. Yeah, that's a really good point, right? And it kind of depends on like, I like that you said that about like your business range and where you like to be. And that really comes to like, how are you going to position yourself in the market? Are you going to be like, I don't, what's like a really expensive store? You're going to be like Chanel? <laughs> I don't know any designers. 
I don't buy fancy bags, so I don't know. <laughs> Are you gonna be like Lexus and you're like the top top, like we're right. premium luxury, we offer premium services at a premium price, or are we gonna be more like, I don't know. I don't want to say Kmart, but you know what I mean? It's like, where, but where are you going to price yourself in your market? Are you going to sell volume and sell a lot of an offer? Are you going to have two clients at like a really, really premium price? And just knowing like, this is kind of the market that I'm going to be in looking at like what's high and low for your particular market that you're in. And where do you want to position your business within that market? But, but also you can be both. So what I was saying is, um, like the smaller ones is really that kind of like foot in the door. They're starting to get a taster and, mm -hmm. oh, I want to grab that because I really want that, but I don't know this person very well. That yeah, kind of totally. And then there's the other ones, which, you know, I, I sell a, a mastermind program, which goes up to $18,000. So that's very different pricing strategy. That, that's the one where I'm thinking about, well, what oh, are they that's getting? Interesting. Because I would have thought like if you had an 18000 I would have thought your foot in the door would be like a nine ninety seven. but you do a foot in the door at like oh, twenty. Yeah. So, so I'm just... Yeah. So you do, do you think, I'm curious, I'm always like really curious when I see different people's business models, because I'm a nerd about this stuff. Would you, do you have like your high end clients still do like the low end? No, it's two different yeah. people. It's two different. Oh. I will say I have had some people who have had a foot in the door at like a 200 or $150 product. And then they end up working with me at a higher ticket um, offer, but because I'm positioning them differently, one of them is for either somebody who already knows me or for somebody who's coming with a very specific thing in mind. And so they're going straight into target markets. Yeah. And the other one is people who, you know, maybe don't have the budget or they just want one thing or they don't know me yet. And so they will move onwards, but yeah, it's, it's different focuses depending on where that person is in a relationship with me and where they're at. And I will also just clarify that my, 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 my high ticket offer, I don't just have one thing that's like all the way at the top. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. So you have different, you have different target markets where you're like, these people are kind of at this phase and then we have different products within that price range to serve that. Yeah. Market. And that just comes, yeah. And that just comes back to the offer positioning of like different people. What are they wanting? What are they wanting solving? Um, how much do they know about me? Um, what are they at currently focusing on? So one of the things that I always focus on with my offers is I talk about positioning against the market. So mm -hmm. what are these individual people currently hearing? What are they trying to do that's not working? What are they trying that is working? Like what are they trying like what are they trying that's not getting them to where they want to be? And then so sometimes I'm just solving that one thing for them or helping them to have that one major perspective shift where they go, oh my God, I need to be doing a completely different way. I get it now. Yeah. And that allows them to like catapult into okay, what's the next step? I need this. I need you. I need you to show me actually the bigger way. So for me, it's about understanding that there's actually a lot of different people in your audience. I talk about something called an ideal client circle rather than just one ideal client avatar, people in different situations with different needs. And they're finding you at different points. You know, they're finding you at different points in their experience, in their journey. So I like to be able to support people where they're at and mm -hmm. then they can kind of take their own path as it works for them. <laughs> I see. Awesome. And then Johnny, you're obviously a numbers girl. <laughs> so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. When people are trying to pick that price, right? Maybe it's like their first thing they're making or they're just getting started. Like how do they go about picking a price point for an offer? Yeah, I definitely think that it boils down to two things. Um, I think it's understanding the value that you provide. Um, and if you don't have any prior experience, you don't have any case studies, you know, 
maybe you test this out on yourself, you know, or maybe you test it out if you have a friend in business, but you figure out like what is the actual monetary value that's associated with the service or the product that you have, right? And so I think that that also goes with looking at market research and what your competitors are doing as well. So I think it's definitely two things, looking at what is the value that you provide and is there some type of monetary value assigned to that that you know that you can actually provide for people whenever they take you up on your offer. So I definitely think you have to look at that. And again, if you're a new business owner, that can be a little bit tricky because you may say, okay, well, I don't know. But I think that all of us can probably say that we have friends or maybe family members who have come to us about, you know, the thing that we're good at. And so do a case study with a family member or with a friend, you know, and just test the waters and see what type of value you can provide to them. And again, is there something monetary attached to it? Um, but definitely looking at the value that you provide. Um, and then also to competitors. I think it's important to know what your competitors are doing as well. Um, and I also wouldn't say price it. Uh, in a way that feels comfortable for you, because sometimes what feels comfortable for you is a little too low and you need to be stretched. <laughs> um, all the sure. women, all the women I'm listening to this call. I'm for like, sure. It's like, like you know, raise your, I can almost guarantee everybody listening to this needs to raise their prices. So, yeah. So definitely look at what your competitors are doing, because, you know, I have seen some products or services that are outpriced and you, you also just have the, to me, use common sense and ask yourself, like, would I pay this price for this result? You know, mm -hmm. now if you're a cheap person and you're like, well, I wouldn't pay for that. But if someone could convince you, you know, that this is what you're going, this is what you're going to get by making this investment, would you pay that price? Because I've also seen a lot of overpricing in the market as well. And it's like, for example, you know, someone pitched to me that they would charge me $10,000 to build a website. And I am thinking, I'm not paying $10,000 for a website, not because I'm an accountant and I look at numbers and, you know, I have a budget to abide by, but because I know that that website is actually not going to bring me any monetary value. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know that I would pay $10,000 to have a funnel built, but I would probably pay more to have a funnel built that I know that I can take people down a pipeline and a journey and I can upsell them and do all these things. So you have to, you know, also use logic. Look at what your competitors mm -hmm. are doing. Look at the value that you provide. I would definitely agree with you, Emma, that you should have price points to meet your target audience where they are. Um, I think that you should always have a low ticket item so that there's like a low entry to barrier and then maybe a mid level item and then a high ticket item. And so you have to think about it, you know, for example, and again, I'm just going to use myself as an example, right? So I have a coaching program where I teach business owners how to understand and how to build a bookkeeping system. Okay. You can choose to spend six to eight weeks with me, or we can do a VIP. Now, I didn't start out offering VIP, but I, I thought to myself, because I had someone that came to me and said, I want to know how to do my own books. I need to understand this for myself, but I don't want to take six to eight weeks learning bookkeeping and accounting. You know, that's too much for me. And so yeah. a lot of times your customers and your market research will also tell you and guide you in terms of what you need to do and what you need to create. And then you have to say, OK, well, if I'm doing a six to eight week program. And it's taking up all of my time. But if someone wants me to compact this into two days, then I can charge a higher price point because now I'm giving up way more of my time. So, yeah. you know, I think that you definitely should have different products and services for different tiers because you're going to have 
someone at every level in your audience. I love mm -hmm. that you said that about how you develop that offer over yeah. time. And I think that's important for people to realize, because I think a lot of this anxiety about, I don't, I don't know what to offer and I need to get the product right. And the price has to be right. Is like, I see a lot of entrepreneurs put these offers in like pressure cookers. And I'm just like, sometimes you need to take the pressure off and just be like, this is just one offer. Like, and I'll tell you guys, most of the people I know that have successful businesses did not make like like come up with a product ladder right out the gate, right? With like all of their perfect three offers and then scale that to a million. Usually they tried like a mm hundred -hmm. different things. And then they finally got something where they were like, I love teaching this. I'm super good at it. I have a great system for it. And then they take it all the way. Right. But I think it's very rare that like, if you're starting as a new entrepreneur, I would not have the expectation of like, okay, I need to make this product ladder and get these three products like right, right out the gate. It's like, yeah. it's just put some stuff out and start working with people and getting people results. And you'll figure that stuff out as mm -hmm. you go. And then eventually you'll end up with a really great kind of product suite or however you want to yeah. end up having your building your business. There's tons of different, there's like a bajillion different business models, right? But you figure out what business models you want, where you want to be priced, what you want to offer, how you want to help people by doing, right? I always tell people it's like swimming. You don't learn to swim by like listening to podcasts about how to swim. It's like at some <laughs> point you've got to get in the pool, right? <laughs> like yes. you learn it by, you really do learn it by doing, right? And so I love that you said that about like, oh, well, I didn't, maybe if you had like mapped it out at the beginning, you probably wouldn't have even known you would have had a VIP day. But now it's like, oh, but over time, you know, I'm sure you'll add even more products or pivot them to make them even more specific and even easier to market mm -hmm. as time goes on. Yeah. Um, there was something else I was going to ask you guys. Oh, this is the other thing I hear all the time is like, like, should I do a course or should I do coaching or should I do a workbook or should I do this or should I like, what is the, what format should I do? And people spend a lot of time kind of spinning their wheels around stuff like that. Should it be a group or should it be like, you know, should it be a month? Should it be 10 million months? Like how <laughs> do you guys figure out the format for your offers when you figure out like, okay, this is the problem this is how I think I can help people. This is the kind of price range I want to be in. How do you go about figuring out like how to actually deliver the goods? <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts about formats or what people should consider when they're trying to figure out the, the format they want to use? Yeah, I, I think that pricing plays a role in this because I think that, you know, one-to-one -one can be exhausting. And I think that if you're going to do one-to-one, -one, you have to understand that there is um, definitely costs associated with your time. And so, you know, if you're going to offer one-to-one -one, or if you're in a business uh, model where you have to order uh, offer one-to-one -one because maybe it's highly confidential or personal, then I definitely think that you have to price um, according to your time. And then you also have to look at that and say, okay, is this something that I can turn into a group coaching model? If it's not, then I'm going to, I have to offer one for one, but I have to make sure that it's priced accordingly. But if you can do group coaching, I always suggest that group coaching is the way to go um, because it allows you to impact more people, you know, without tying up so much of your time because none of us gets time back. And so I love group coaching, but I love group coaching with a live element because, again, I always put myself in the position of my my customer, my client. You know, a lot of people purchase courses and they never, ever 
take the course. They don't complete it. They don't, some people don't start it, right? And some people will say, well, you need to price your course high enough so that people can actually take it. Sometimes people pay attention to what they pay for, right? That's what they say. But at the same time, you have to be reasonable with your pricing as well. And so I think that if you can do group coaching with a live component, then that it's a great hybrid model because now you're allowing people to go at their own pace, but at the same time, you're still there making sure that you're backing your product or your service, you know, and holding people accountable as much as you can, you know, because I do think that that's important. If you're in business and you really are in business for a purpose and you want to operate to make sure that people actually get a result, then I think you should have that live element as well. Yeah, I love that. I love like the idea of hybrid too. And I've been seeing people do courses like this too, right? Where they're doing courses, but then they'll do like a monthly call or a weekly call or a Q&A or, and so it'll be like, they have a course, but then they also have like other support you can get, which I think is really great to give people yeah. that mm -hmm. extra option for support. What about yeah. you, Emma? What do you think as far as like format? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I actually have, it's funny, I actually had a question, I had a conversation with a client in my program um, just on Tuesday that was exactly about this. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how many modules? How many weeks? Should it be video? Should it be live? Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> it's a funny one, actually, because she came at it from, I have a pricing question. And she was asking yeah. about, you know, if I'm pricing it at this rate, what should it look like? If I'm pricing it at this much, should it be group coaching and things like that? So I think people come at this from different perspectives. How do I deliver it? And also if I wanna price it at this point, what should it look like? And I always ask people to ask themselves three specific questions. And I think without asking these questions, you can't know how to package it correctly. The first one is which format, which medium, how it's structured what is going to get your client the best possible result? How are they going to be able to go through the materials or learn the information or understand the concept in the best way? Is that through a course, a self-paced course with live group coaching? Is yeah. it through one-to-one? -one? I really need that personalized attention. Like, is it through having a Voxer week where, you know, they can ask you questions? Like, do they need like screen shares? Like there's so many different ways that people can go through something. But when you're looking at your materials that you want people to understand and benefit from what is the best way that they can get that result that's the first thing is to think about your client and the structure of it and how they can go through it and consume that content and really take it on board mm -hmm. the second question is how do they want to consume it and there's going to be a balance between these questions because sometimes people want to consume it really fast and you know that the best result for them is actually when they take the time to do some implementation in between so there's always going to be a little bit of a balance but the second question is how do they want it do they want it in audio format do they want your close attention even if they don't necessarily need it you know like how do they want to receive it best how do they enjoy things and you'll learn this about your audience sometimes you'll find that your audience really really loves group stuff they really really love implementation weeks <laughs> they really yeah. really love private podcasts you know your audience everyone's going to be different so how do they enjoy it and the third one it's what's going to work best for you to be able to show up in your best mm -hmm. possible way because yeah. if you hate live coaching because you stutter over your words or you get shy or you're like i don't know how to answer the question in the moment <laughs> Then yeah. like it's not going to work for you if you hate asynchronous stuff where you can't hear see people's faces that's not going to work for you so if you hate recording screen shares then that's not going to work for you so you've got to think about what do i want what do i want my business to look like do i want to show up live every week at seven o'clock mm -hmm. can i do that because i've got triplets in the bedroom <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. what works what works for you 
what do you enjoy and what allows you to show up in best for your clients? So those three questions about what structure helps people to really consume your content and understand it and take it on board and actually get it, take action from it and get the benefit. What are your people actually enjoy? And then also what works for you and allows you to show up and also fits in with the way that you want your business to look. When you ask those questions, you'll start to see patterns. You'll start to kind of put the blocks together and then you'll get a much better picture of, okay, this modality, like this medium, that's going to be the best way to structure this offer. Yeah. And I love that you said that too. There's so many different ways to do it. And I always tell people, I'm like, they don't want at the end of the day, like they don't want a course, they don't want coaching, like they want the Mm -hmm. outcome. Right. So it's like, that's, what's more important is like, can you deliver an outcome that they actually want? Can you get it for them easier and in less time than they can do it by themselves? And like, as long as you have that kind of in place, there's a lot of flexibility with the format and like, what if instead of being overwhelmed by all the options, you were excited, right? That you're like, you get to design something really unique, right? Yeah. And special, you don't need to be yeah. looking at, I'm always like, stop looking at other people's stuff. Like you don't need to look like, yeah. you know, people be like, I saw this program and this person is doing low ticket. Yeah. I'm just like, stop, like, look at like your community, right? Your community, what results are they after? How can you get them a great result that they actually want? And then put your brain to work, not looking at other people's formats, like put your brain to work about how to come up with a great solution for that problem. And I'm always like, the answers are in your brain. <laughs> so like, so good. So yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to look. No, 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 no. I'm like, tell me everything. I want to hear everything. It doesn't have to look how everyone else does it, you know? Like one of my most successful offers in the last 12 months, which I actually did because I was coming out of a really difficult period in my life personally. And I was like, I love coaching and I need to get back into doing more of it. But I like I was just going through a lot of emotional stuff and I was like look let me offer a Voxer mini mind so I took what I do in my larger mastermind and with my one-to-one clients and I structured like a three-month thing purely via Voxer so that I could get a few people in to work with me at a price point that they usually wouldn't get that kind of one-to-one masterminding and consulting with me and we had a specific focus for each you know over the weeks and it was one of my best-selling offers like it went really well I was able to really connect with people we did a lot of really good stuff and people then bought it again (laughs) later on in the year and that's not something that I've seen anyone else Yeah. And I've not really seen anyone else do that kind of thing purely using Voxer. And I was also, you know, sharing resources with them and doing little screen shares and linking through to it and stuff. But that was what worked for me at the time. And I also just thought, let me try it. I don't care that no one else is doing this. I think it's a good idea. And I think my clients will love it. And they did. And so you don't have to you can get creative. You don't have to do it how everyone else does it. Do it how you think is going to be best based on those three questions. Yeah, I love that. Gianni said that earlier too, that you like look at the market and then you're like, here's what everybody's doing. How do I do something that's different? Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a smart way to think as an entrepreneur, because I mean, this is a dog eat dog world out here. That's what it is. (laughs) And it's like, you've got to evolve and like be able to change. And I always tell people, I'm like, I fully just expect like the things that are working for us now won't work a year from now, Mm -hmm. or they won't work as well. And I do expect to like have to adapt and evolve. And I don't think it's a problem. I think it's just like, you've always got to be looking at 
How do we, what's working right now in the market? What's working for marketing? What's working for people's results? What are people wanting? And all of that stuff is going to be shifting all the time. And if you're looking at what everybody else is doing and then trying to adapt, you're too slow, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the best thing you can do as an entrepreneur is become someone who can be a generator of ideas, right? It's like looking at like, oh, here's a problem my clients have. I'm overwhelmed. I can't like run a whole live mastermind right now. Let me do some box it. Let me make a really great like offer offer, right? And like being able to kind of come up with your, like I'm saying, like your own ideas with your own brain for your own market, your own business and your own people. And every, everything in business is so different. So the last thing I'll say, and then we'll sign off is just like, you know, everybody's businesses are so different. Everybody's doing this stuff different. Everybody's going to tell you guys different stuff. And like, there's tons of value in listening to other people, but at the end of the day, your business is going to be different than everybody else's business. Your personality is different. The way you are on camera. Some people are great. I love doing live events. I sell great on camera, but I always tell the mastermind, I'm like, I'm not going to give you our step-by-step launch guide for you to follow because I have a very specific personality with a very specific relationship to my audience and a very specific Mm -hmm. niche with very specific marketing and a very specific offer at a very specific price point. And unless you were me, with all of those same things, you're not going to get the same results. Your results are going to be very, very different. And so you have to figure out the strategy that's really going to work for you. And the way you do that is just by listening to shows like this, right? Getting ideas, taking the pieces that are going to work good for you, throwing the rest away. (laughs) And don't listen to any expert just blindly, like get in there and test and like adapt like your way of doing business and your way of doing things. I thank you guys so much for being here. And I know people came in late. I saw somebody say they came in late and they want the speakers names because I'm sure everybody's going to want to go stalk you and be obsessed with you. (laughs) So where can we go fangirl over you on the internet? Tell them again, just for people that came in late, who you are, what you do, where we can find you. And then if you have a free offer or a goodie you want to plug, I would love to hear all about it. I'm always like, I got to go get everybody's things and follow everybody. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll go ahead and go. So for those who are coming in late or came in late, um, again, my name is Gianni Logan. You can find me. I'm most active on Instagram. um, So that's Gianni. And I will drop my name in the chat because a lot of people put an A at the end, although it's Gianni, G-I-A-N-N-I. But I'll go ahead and drop that in the chat as soon as I figure out how. Um, But again, my name is Gianni Logan and I'm an accountant, 15 years experience, corporate America, five years working with small business owners. Um, I help small business owners do tax planning. I'm huge on tax planning because I'm a big believer that the number one way to save money on taxes is to get ahead of it. And then also helping small business owners build accounting and bookkeeping systems without overwhelm and simplicity. Um, and then I do have to definitely have a free guide for you all that I will drop in the chat as well. But thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Faith, for having me. I definitely appreciate it. Yeah. And you guys that are listening to the podcast replay or listening to the replay other places, the team does blog posts for all of these shows. So if you go to faithbrian.com slash blog, this episode will have everybody's links, everybody's information, all of this stuff. And that'll be published. The show goes live Thursday. The blog post comes out Friday. So you guys, if you miss a show or you're wanting to go back and get somebody's gift or you're wanting to find somebody's Instagram that you heard, go to faithmaria.com and then click on the blog and you'll be able to find all of the shows and all of the show notes there. As well as on the podcast, we always put everybody's info on the on the notes. And then Johnny's going to put her links and stuff in the chat for you guys because she's the best. And then Emma, what about you? 
Yeah, so my name is Emma Weatherall, like the weather, and then A-double-L. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, that's my website as well. <laughs> um, and I help um, people who are already established in their business, they're experienced experts at what they do, to really elevate their marketing and create more sales from what they're doing in their email marketing, in their social media, through their offers, <laughs> and in their business strategy as a whole, so that you can create a multi-six-figure business that feels easeful, works around your life, and really allows you to work with clients that you absolutely adore. So I specialize in marketing strategy and in sales strategy um, and really making sure that it's aligned with the way that you want to run your business. Um, so you can find me on all the socials with my name. <laughs> What's your favorite one? Are you an Instagram girl? Are you aware? Are, where do you hang out? Um, I love Instagram and Facebook. Talk Emma on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> you guys have to go follow them because they share a ton of great stuff. And you definitely want to take advantage of all the Emily is like, people are making really great free content out here. You all want to take advantage <laughs> of their free stuff. <laughs> yep. sure. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. I really appreciate thank you taking you. the time. Let me pick your brain for the hour. It was so fun. Yeah. I love talking. I'm like, I'm such a nerd about business. So this show is like my dream because I'm like, well, oh, I just get to talk about nerdy little business marketing things with like <laughs> And I, about yeah, stuff we guys, all need to know for sure. I know. <laughs> you guys follow them all the places, and then I'll be back next Thursday with another panel. And that's it. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. <laughs> all right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>